Hey, and thanks for taking the time to listen with us here at Gospel Way as we seek to find rest in Christ. Please know that this is supplemental and does not replace your local church or the pastor that God has given to shepherd your soul. But it is our prayer that God will use these resources to bless you and point you to Jesus. Let me call your attention one more time to the book of Judges, chapter number 3. The book of Judges, chapter number 3. We started this study on Judges, and we spent the last three Sundays basically dealing with an introduction. We finally get to look at the first judge this morning and uh, see some things in this passage of Scripture that I hope and pray will be a help and a blessing to your heart. Judges chapter number 3 and verse number 7 The Bible says this, The children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forget that the Lord their God and served Balaam and in the groves. Therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hand of Cushan Rishtam, the king of Mesopotamia. The children of Israel served Cushan Richdan eight years. And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel, who delivered them, even Othniel, the son of Kenneth, Caleb's younger brother. And the Spirit of the Lord came upon him, and he judged Israel, and went out to war. And the Lord delivered Cushan Rishthan, king of Mesopotamia, into, the hand, into his hand. And his hand prevailed against Cushan Rishthan. And the land had, what's that word? Rest, forty years. And Othniel, the son of Cushan, died. Let's pray. Father, this morning we pray that you would help us as we look into this passage of Scripture and understand some of the background, some of the history, and looking at Israel's history, understanding our own. Lord, I pray that you would help us that we might see you in the midst. For it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You and I have already seen that within one generation after the death of Joshua, the nation of Israel is already well down the road of a full-blown apostasy. The first generation of Israel born in the land of Canaan, the Bible tells us, as we looked at last week, did not know God. And that's a shame. You and I understand that that's, that's a, a bad thing in itself. <clears throat> they did not know God or the great things that God had done for Israel. It seems as though those generations would have wanted to rehearse those things over and over, but they did not. And because of that, there was a problem. 
They had not instructed, they had not, they had not catechized or rehearsed the great truths of the covenant, and therefore they had left themselves defenseless against the wiles of the pagans that were surrounding them. As the Canaanites, who had once been both booted out of the land, they began to return, and the people of Israel became more and more like the Canaanites and worshipped the Canaanite gods of Baal and Ashtaroth, which engaged all kinds of pagan practices. They became involved in those things. And as a direct consequence, Israel's unbelief and their disobedience to God will bring down covenant curses upon the disobedient children of Israel. We looked at last week and we considered the fact that God is a covenant-keeping God. The covenants that He had laid out before Israel carried with it covenant blessings and covenant curse. There were things, if they did these things in obedience to God, God would bless them with these things. God also told them that if they did not do these things in which God had told them to do, that the consequence would be this, this, and this. They're entering into these covenant cursings because of their disobedience, because they were disobedient to God. As a direct consequence of their unbelief, their disobedience, God brings down covenant curses on them. When He does, the people of Israel will cry out to Him for deliverance. They do it over and over again. We see it over and over again. As we've seen, as we studied in the opening sections of Judges, in Judges chapter 1 and verse number 1 through chapter 3 and verse number 6, the book describes Israel's history from the time of the death of Joshua unto the coming in of the kings of Saul and David. This period of Israel's increasing unbelief and disobedience stands as a sharp contrast, if you will, of Israel's high watermark in redemptive history. God is telling us, and what God is giving us in the Old Testament, and and what God is showing us throughout the Word of God, is the redemptive history of His people. That's what we're seeing. That's what we look at, and that's what we understand. God is showing us, what happens with a people that God has chosen to redeem. And as we look at this, we understand that the children of Israel have gotten themselves in trouble over and over again. And this book is no different than that. As, sin, as Israel's sin increases, the need for the Messiah becomes much more clear understanding that Israel can't obey the law. They can't be obedient to the law. 
Why does God give us the law? God gives us the law to be what? To be a schoolmaster bringing us to salvation. What does it do? It shows us that we can't keep it. We can't do it. If we can't do it, then we need someone who can. And that's what God was trying to get Israel to see. That's what God continually tries to get us to see in our lives. The reason that we are reminded of the law, the reason that we are reminded of the times that we break the law is so that God points us to the Lord Jesus Christ. It is all a a focus on Christ. It's all a pointing to Him. This era of the judges is especially important in terms of practical applications, if you will. Having settled in the promised land, the people of Israel were surrounded by various pagan peoples. They were surrounded by those pagan peoples because they did not drive them out. What did God tell them to start with? He said, drive them out. They're to be driven out. You and I are to, you and I are to do away with sin in our life, but do we drive sin out of our life? Most of the time not. We allow it to prevail. We allow it to exist. We come to this point in time in Israel's history and they're surrounded by different various pagan people with pagan practices. In in light of that, understanding that they didn't drive them completely out and then not only did they not drive them completely out of the promised land which God had given them, not only did they do that, but they allowed them to start infiltrating and coming back in. And because of that, their history leaves them in dire situations. God always, or God's ways are always the best way. Even when we can't see that to be true. God's way is always the best way. We, we don't think so sometimes. We think that, uh, that God's asking too much of us sometimes, but God's way is the best way. Then there were the Levites. Through Joshua, God arranged to have members of the priestly tribes of the Levite tribe. He, he arranged for them to be scattered throughout the nation and dwell among the people. Why, what were they there for? They were there as a guide to point them to the law of God. What was the law of God? The law of God was to point them to the promise of the Messiah that would come. As we'll see as we make our way further through the book of Judges, the Levites failed miserably in catechizing or or rehearsing, if you will, with the children of Israel what God had done. What did most of the Levites do? They studied the law more. They began to study it more greatly, and in studying it more greatly, they began to try and enforce it more so. And trying to enforce it more so, they failed to point to the promise of the Messiah. They failed to point to that promise that God was going to send a deliverer that would deliver them, not just from economical things, but would deliver them from their sin. 
It is the responsibility of the Levites to make appropriate sacrifices for sin and to instruct the people of Israel about the meaning of the law of God, specifically the blessings and the curses, that principle that God set down and he laid down in the Sinaitic covenant before the people. As we'll see as we make our way through the book of Judges, the Levites once again failed. In fact, the Levites are the ones largely responsible for Israel's deplorable spiritual condition because they weren't leading them spiritually. The modern counterparts of the Levites, if you will, are the church leaders who are more interested in, in, in not offending anyone or tickling any ears, but they are preaching not the difficult words of the Word of God, but many times they're preaching the law and just the law. And you're not hearing much of the grace of God. There's a problem in that. Since the cross is a scandalous message, if you will, it's a stumbling block to the Jews and it's a foolishness to the Gentiles. Is that not what Paul told us? He said the gospel is a stumbling block to the Jews and foolishness to the Gentiles or to the Greeks. The cross is not preached if people want peace and want to play around with pagan things if they're reluctant to criticize false religions. The result in not preaching these two words in scriptures, the result in not preaching law and gospel and preaching it in the correct way, preaching it in the right way, the result in that is creating a partly pagan and a partly Christian church. And that mixture don't go well together. We see that because that's what they did in the, the, what the children of Israel did. Then they're the judges themselves. If we understand the judges themselves, we understand that the judges are men, with the exception of Deborah, they're men that are sinful people. These judges are sinful. We understand that they're coming along and they're doing, and we're seeing this even in this passage of Scripture, they're coming along and they're forming some kind of military or political act to help out Israel in a military fashion or in a political fashion. when the main problem is the spiritual condition of the nation. We too get caught up in the same kind of things, even in our nation. We get to the point we feel like if we've got the right person in office, or if we've got this that can do, if we got this person here, or that person there, and we, we are reluctant to look at the spiritual condition. While these men are God's chosen instruments to, to deliver Israel from temporal danger, 
They're nothing more than a kind than a than a divinely stopgap, if you will, to preserve the nation from the disaster that is before them. Why is God stopping that disaster? God is stopping that disaster for one purpose. To bring about the Messiah. To bring about His promise. While such people in, may indeed be right about temporal dangers and social economic ills that are facing the nation, they can do nothing about the great problem of guilt and sin. That was the problem. They weren't going to be able to do away with the guilt and sin of Israel. Only the Messiah is going to be able to do that. Only the grace of God as revealed in the person and the work of the Lord Jesus Christ in the power of the Holy Spirit can subdue the human heart and can create within us faith and repentance. Only Christ can do that. We can point out to one another how wrong we are. We understand that. I came to church this morning already understanding how wrong I am. I know how wrong I am. I need somebody to point me to Jesus. I need somebody to show me a way out from my wrongness. And that way out is the Lord Jesus Christ. And only the Lord Jesus Christ. This is why the book of Judges speaks so powerfully to us about current situations. In this book we find human sin on display. In all of its shame, in all of its futility, we find sin on display. What is it that leads the children of Israel into problems? What is it he told us here in verse number 7? And the children of Israel, what? did evil in the sight of the Lord. Their sin is on display. It's why that, That's why probably so many preachers avoid preaching through the book of Judges. In this book, we see God allowing His people to reap the consequences of their sin and their sinful rebellion. Yet because he has pity on Israel, he repeatedly over and over again sends judges to deliver them. I know that we seem to be saying the same thing over and over. But be reminded that God tells us the same thing over and over. He reminds us of the same thing over and over. We need to remind ourselves of who Jesus is over and over. Why? Because we forget it over and over. God must send Israel a Redeemer. Someone who is both God and man. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the Messiah that the Levites and the people that were in leadership should have been pointing Israel toward. And yet, that wasn't done. Well, what is it that they should have been teaching them? What should they have been telling them? They should have been telling them about a promise-keeping God. That God would keep His promises. 
Now we come to the first judge, Othniel. In himself, he is a sinner. Even though God's Spirit comes upon him and rests upon him, Othniel can only help Israel find momentary relief and rest. But he, he is there once again to point them to the fact that God is going to keep His promise. That what God had promised them, He will follow through with. As we look at this text this morning, these verses that we just got through reading, we enter a new section of the book of Judges. In this section, we'll see God graciously and repeatedly respond to Israel's unbelief. Not only to their unbelief, but He'll respond to their disobedience. They'll enter into sin. They'll cry for a Savior. And God will send them one. In the opening of the book of Judges, God describes Israel's rapid decline into the state of the nation in which they become. Before God begins this series, if you will, of interventions in which God acts as an, an interrupter of the downward cycle in which they are facing, Israel continually over and over does the same thing. There's a couple of things that we need to keep in mind as we move into the, this section of the book of Judges. Number one, we must keep in mind that Israel is in a covenant relationship with God. Had they not, had they not entered into a covenant relationship? Did they not stand at Mount Sinai when God told them, do this, this, and this? And what did Israel say? This we will do. They entered into a covenant relationship with God. Therefore, they were subject to the blessings of the covenant if the people as a nation was obedient and the curses of the covenant if they were disobedient. This meant that someone could live in Israel at a time when the nation was blessed and yet remained personally an unbeliever. They could also mean that they were a believer in the time that Israel as a nation wasn't believing. It also means that someone could be a true believer in God's promises of the Redeemer and yet suffer under the same national problems that the rest of the nation was suffering under. Why is that important for us? Understand that it rains upon the just and the unjust. Understand that God has curses for those who live outside of His obedience. When God promises material prosperity, this included bountiful crops, lots of kids, and peace for Israel's neighbors, cessation of war. Now Israel will suffer the loss of abundance. And many of Israel's sons will die in conflict and with Israel's enemies whom God is no longer keeping at bay. God's no longer holding them back. 
What's going on in this passage of Scripture, there in verse number 7, the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord and forget the Lord their God and serve Balaam and in the groves. Therefore, why? Because they had forgot God. God's anger was kindled and was hot against Israel. He sold them into the hand of Cushman Rishthem, the king of Mesopotamia. They spend eight years in this place. They spend eight years under this oppression. And as they spend this eight years, they finally come to the conclusion, we need somebody to help us. Once again, they cry out to God. They cry out to God. And in crying out to God, they wanted deliverance from the situation they were in. They didn't necessarily want to go back to obeying God. They didn't necessarily want to go back. They wanted deliverance. But God had pity upon them and sent a deliverer. That deliverer was Othniel. Othniel was one of the few Israelites who was still willing to wage war against the Canaanites who remained in the land. We don't know exactly... We don't know exactly what this episode, if you will, of Othniel, when it occurred. But since Othniel knew Caleb, we know that he was one of the first generations. He was one of that first generations that not all of them had forgotten God. There's not a lot bad said about Othniel. In fact, Othniel is is Joshua's or Joshua's nephew he's married to joshua's daughter and we find that the spiritual condition of that first generation born in canaan was not very good while othniel is a notable exception the indication is that many of the israelites were doing evil in the sight of god Many were, enough that God was noting that many of them were. This statement doesn't mean that the Israelites had merely grown lax in their religious observances, if you will. They had not just stopped going to church. They had not just, and by the way, they had not just stopped having those times of observances. But they were worshiping other gods. It was just a short number of years, some 30-odd years between the time of Joshua's death till we come to this point, and this has happened. They're not, just, they're not just not serving God. They're serving other gods. They're falling down before other gods. And because of that, God allows the Canaanites to move in on them. The Israelites were not just sleeping in, not getting up early and going to do their things, but they were, they were, they were in, engulfed in what the Canaanites were engulfed in. We come to verse number 7, the people of Israel forgot God. 
It means they forgot God because they were too busy worshiping other gods to remember their God. The way this horrible set of circumstances likely came about is important for us to understand. It's because there was a pattern. How did they forget God? Because nobody reminded them. They weren't, they weren't rehearsing over and over what God had done for them. Many scholars believe that when Israel went to various altars to set up, that was set up by the Levites to make sacrifices, they worshipped Baal instead of worshipping God. They're going to where they were going to worship God or should have worshipped God and they were worshipping other gods. It was a dire situation. They had come to worship Israel's God in addition to their own gods. They were trying to throw God in the mix. And what did God command them? The very first thing God told them is, you shall have no other gods before me. From there, it was a short step to then offer begrudgingly sacrifices to Baal just to cover all their bases. It wasn't long before worshiping God got in the way of the Israelites enjoying their pagan religion. That's what the author means when he says the Israelites forgot God and worshiped Baal. The theological point is that within 35 years of the distribution of the promised land, they had forgotten God. Why is that significant for us to know? Because we'll forget God too if we're not reminded over and over. If we're not reminded, if all that we are reminded of is what we are, and we're not reminded of the promise that God had given. We're not reminded of the redemptive work of the Lord Jesus Christ. We will fall into the same situation. How will we do that? We'll, wor we'll worship our own religion. We'll worship our own righteousness. We'll worship our own well-doings instead of worshiping what Christ did on the cross of Calvary and throughout His entire life. We'll get to the point to where we'll worship our righteousness instead of worshiping His righteousness. We'll bow down to the fact that we have done better than those around us. Then we will falling down before He who is better than all others. That should warn us about the carelessness of our lives and not rehearsing over and over again what Christ has done. The grace of God, the goodness of God, the mercies of God, the righteousness of God, the justice of God, the mercies. Reminding ourselves over and over again. We should remind ourselves, we should remind our family, we should remind our friends, we should remind our foes, we should remind all those around us of the mercies and the graces of God. As, an, as a result of Israel's behavior, God brings down covenant curses on them. 
In verse number eight, it said, therefore the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the, into the hand of Cushan Rishnoth, the king of Mesopotamia. They go into bondage for these eight years. We find after these eight years of subjugation, these eight years of being under the submission of someone else, we find in verse number 9, And when the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, the Lord raised up a deliverer to the children of Israel. He raises up that deliverer to the children of Israel that they may be reminded again that God is a covenant-keeping God. That God is going to deliver them. Othniel has shown himself to be a brave man. Even beforehand, he had shown himself to be a brave man. And he is one of the only ones left willing to go out and fight against the Canaanites. He raises up against the Canaanites and God in turn gives the king of Mesopotamia into the hand of Othniel. God gives them that. Look in verse number 11, if you will. Verse number 11, And the land had rest 40 years, and Othniel the son of Kenas died. Don't read the next verse. And the children of Israel did evil in the sight of the Lord. God raised up a deliverer. God raised someone up to deliver them. God did deliver them. And He gave them rest for 40 years. When God delivered them, what did He give them? He gave them rest. When God delivered you, what did He give you? Rest. What are we to be reminded of over and over and over and over again? The rest that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. We see over and over, and we're going to continue to see over and over in the book of Judges that God gives them rest. God, God sends a deliverer, delivers them, and gives them rest. But then they enter back into unrest. There is only one that brings permanent rest. And he's found in Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 11. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. He will bear your sins. These other judges, Othniel and those others that we're going to look at, no matter how deep we look in their lives, they cannot change anything except for political and militarily things. They cannot change. The one problem that man mainly needs change, that is his sin. We need, we need someone to conquer sin and guilt for us. And he's found in Luke chapter number 2 and verse number 11. He's born in the city of David and he is our Savior, Christ the Lord. 
God can easily take away the cushions of this world. He can raise up judges like Othniel because he has pity on his people and they will accomplish the purpose of getting us out of this situation or getting us out of that situation. But there's only one that can give us eternal rest. It is he who said in John chapter number 17, and I give unto them eternal life. And this life is knowing the Father and knowing the Son. God sent His Son, Jesus Christ, who will indeed save us from our sin. For the Lord has raised up a deliverer in us, and His name is Jesus. He can do what no earthly judge can ever do. He can deliver us from our sin. How did Paul put it? Now there remaineth now no more condemnation for us who are in Jesus Christ. That's what we need to be reminded of. That's what we need to rehearse. That's what we need to be told of over and over and over again. That there is one that can do away with our sin. And that's Jesus Christ. Let's remind ourselves of that. Let's remind our families of that. Let's remind our children, our spouses, those around us, our extended families. Let's remind our friends, our foes. Let's remind everyone around us that there is one and His name is Jesus. And He can deliver us from our sin. Those those other deliveries were temporal. Those other deliveries were, were temporary. But Jesus' deliverance is eternal. It's something that no matter what the other circumstances around us are going on, we can rest in the deliverance of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let's pray.